What does biblical love look like in the confines of community? Today on The Midweek Move, we're going to talk about that. Hello and welcome to the Midweek Move podcast extension of The Healing Places, the podcast where we examine the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what is happening here? And today, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Scott and I are coming back again to 1 John chapter 4 to dive a little bit deeper into this conversation about what love is and the confines of community. Last week, we uh, we kicked off with, uh, I think, what did you say? We started off with a rant and ended up with a smooth conversation. <laughs> they got pretty deep, pretty, pretty interesting about love and about yeah. how... Uh, God's love affects us and what that looks like. And today we're going to be continuing that conversation uh, and finishing out chapter four. So. All right, verse 12, everybody. Let's dive right into this. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. Awesome. So I want to stop right here because of the first vocabulary, no one has seen God at any time. This is an interesting phraseology that takes place here. Uh, and in what it's probably dealing with is the heretics of the day are saying that they've had these um, these visions of God that have spoken to them and said basically that Jesus wasn't a person. And so he, he's cutting that out and he's saying, look, nobody has seen God. He points out that if they want to really see God, we must look really at loving a loving biblical community. So my question is, what does this community look like, Pastor, and how can we foster such a loving community where people, when they're in that space, they experience God. And I ask you this specifically because we have a history of people coming in to our church here, mm-hmm. not to not to boast about the healing place, but they go, man, I, I just really sense God. I've really felt God's presence here. And for some of these people, they're, they're pastors who haven't felt God in a long time. How do we? How have we fostered that community in that aspect, and how can we help others do that? Yeah, I, you know, again, he John is dealing with those who, as did all the apostles and disciples, dealt with people who were these outlandish um, claims mm-hmm. that they have seen God, that they have, and then of course that fosters a lot of different things of. Um, here's what God looks like, here's what God quote-unquote is saying, and then it's counter to to the Word of God. We've all kind of seen that. But this type of love that he's talking about isn't some kind of hippie commune type of love Mm. because I think that's been misconstrued. I can speak for America. In America, I think we see love and community as that kind of hippie type love. Mm. And we all know that most all of those communes didn't end well because it always ended up with some figurehead, always ended up with some person, and there were all manner of things that ended up happening in those things. And Mm. I think one of the longest-running communes, like in the 80s, I think, is was in Tennessee, and it was kind of the same thing, is that it just ended up being about... It wasn't about the Lord. Mm. It wasn't about Him at all. And one of the things here that we are very conscious of is that although we have order and we have a plan and we're not just shotgunning it, you know, but we are very aware of the most important thing that we can do is create an atmosphere where people can encounter the presence of God, not just nice people, yeah, 
but the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Um, because niceness does not save your soul, mm. but God does. Yeah. And sometimes your conversion um, can cannot look like love at all. Mm. You know, my conversion from the outside looking in probably looked pretty rough. Yeah. You know, it was it was um, maybe not violent, but it was it was uh, gut wrenching. It was my screams and moans and cries weren't, Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. It was very repentant, guttural reaction to the presence of God. And it manifested in a way that was very deep and very personal and, and life altering and transforming for someone else. It may be saying a prayer and then boom, they're there. You know, it's like, so our, I think our our definition of love sometimes is not the agape type love, mm. the agape love of God. It's more a phileo type of love, mm. um, a brotherly type of love, a or maybe even an eros, mm. you know, uh, an erotic type of love, mm-hmm. which is another issue that we have in our current culture is that people have mistaken lust, you know, for love. And lust is a perversion of the perfect love that God created for us. Yeah, definitely. And the enemy perverts it and makes it lustful and fleshly. And it's not about the spirit of God. It's mm-hmm. about the soul of man. And so I, I think that one thing that we do is we're very cognizant of we're not here for any other reason. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not here to be a social club. We're not here to... To uh, I think we even said it last week. You know this this isn't a activity center. It's right. not a sports complex. There's nothing wrong with those things, mm-hmm. but that's not what this is. Right. And we have a responsibility, and our responsibility is not really to each other. Our responsibility is to the Lord. Right. And when He's the centerpiece, and when we do our very best to discern what He's doing in a in a room or a gathering or a small group or whatever it is that he is the focus. And I think that when you do that, it does create sometimes an uncomfortable scenario mm-hmm. um, because I think people even in the church world today in America are used to coming in and just being comfortable. Mm. You know, we got the right temperature. We got the right chairs. We got the right lighting. We got the right mood. We got vibe mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. Uh, I, that that really is not what's going to transform somebody's life. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an encounter with the presence of God. And on the back end of that, yeah, you, you can't host the presence of God well and be a bunch of mean people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. But you also can't, you know, put on a face and try to be, quote, unquote, shiny, happy people, <laughs> you know, and it's not real. Right. People can smell something if it's not real. They can understand if it's not real. We had talked about last week about the kind of like, as we love God, there's that reflection of loving other people. And we've been talking about the whole thing uh, here on campus about we can't really love people until we love ourselves. We can't really love ourselves until we love God. And there's this, this snowball that comes out, and it looks different in different ways. Sometimes it's providing for people. In that loving community, you got somebody that's not doing well, you know, cup of cold water in Jesus name type of situation. Sometimes yep. it's going, are you okay? Yeah. You, we, we had a conversation uh, here on campus a while back of asking people, how's your faith? How's your faith? Yeah. What's happening in your faith? Are you good? Are you not good? 
Let's put it on table. Let's walk through it together. I remember years ago, I was on the backside of like six months of just pouring out. Uh, not, I hadn't been in the sanctuary for six straight months uh, because I was teaching uh, Christian ed. I was teaching uh, church, our, our kids' church. I was cleaning up from kids' church, going home, taking a nap, coming back to teach uh, Sunday night, small group, kids' church, <laughs> going home at 9 o'clock. It was just cell group. Woo! Cell group. Woo! Wednesday night, six months straight. I wasn't in the sanctuary. I didn't worship on my own. And you and I had to have a conversation about that. And you're like, are you okay? <laughs> and you realize I, I'm pouring out, not pouring in. So you took the hard talk conversation. Like, let's pour into you. I think you gave me a, a devotional book that you had had on your desk for a while. You're so let's pour into it. That's what that looks like. That biblical meaning of going, are you okay? Let me pour into you what you need because you're, you're missing this place. How's your faith? You know, how are you doing financially? How are you doing this place? Biblical community, not to get nosy, Right. Not to get into your business. Like, did you hear what they said? Yeah. But it's to go, I want to help you. But sometimes it is not asking. And sometimes it is saying, hey, you're not okay. Mm -hmm. And that only comes through relationship. Absolutely. That comes through relationship. And you know, those relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's like if my aunt tells me something and then my dad tells me something Mm -hmm. different level of authority. Right. If, just someone in the body says something to you, it may carry some weight, but somebody that you've done life with yeah. that maybe has helped walk you through some things that you've watched maybe from a distance yeah. and just seen them walk through the good times and the bad times, loving Jesus and loving people. And, and they come to you and say, you're not doing, you're not doing okay. Yeah, yeah. How can I help you? Mm-hmm. It's not just a statement of you're not okay. Right. It's you're not okay. How can I help you? And that's the key aspect of yep. how can I help you? Biblical yep. community, we see God in this in that whole aspect. What did God do? God looked at humanity and says, you guys are not okay. I'm going to help you. Yep. I'm going to make a sacrifice to take care of you, to help you be okay with me. And that reflection is us looking at individuals going, how can I help you? Yep. How can I help you become what you need to be? And the people that you don't know, then there's that question of how are you? Yeah, but the people you do know, <laughs> you know how they are. Yeah, yeah. Because you've been doing biblical community with them, you've been living with them, you've been, you know, you you know them, mm. and so then it's less of a question and more of a statement. Yeah. But then the question comes: How can I help you? Yeah. How can I serve? How can I help you? Yeah, good stuff. By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. Okay, so this this with this. What is the physical manifestation of having God's spirit in us? Like if he's abiding, if we abide in him and he's in us, what does that look like? What does that, like, what does that mean that he abides? What's that word abide really mean? Abide means being connected and being rooted. Mm-hmm. So it takes on the, the uh, analogy of the vine mm-hmm. and the, and the, 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 the limb and, and being connected to the vine and, God the Father is the vine dresser, and Jesus is the vine, staying connected to the vine. And anything that doesn't bear fruit is mm-hmm. cut off. Like abiding is being rooted in uh, and growing from. And so when we say abiding in Jesus, it's it's literally being in him. He also talks about those who abide in me, abide in my words. So it, his word, doing his word. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do my you'll do the commandments. Mm-hmm. Like 
you'll obey. Right. Obedience. So this know? whole aspect of, of doing this, there there is a level of effort. There is a level oh. of being intentional about doing this. You don't just, uh, you can't just put two things together and they work together. You can't take you know a branch from this tree and this branch and tie it together. That's There's, right. You're intentional about laying them together, wrapping them so that they grow together. And I think that so often in the Christian walk, we have a problem where people, we take it passively. Like I go to church on Sunday when I'm not at a ball game or when I'm not going doing this, I, I take part in this type of aspect. And, and when they're here, they're just kind of passively listening to the music. They're not worshiping God. They're kind of passively listening to you preach. They're not going, what is God saying to me through this message? There is an intentionality to abiding that we have to take on in our life. Oh, no doubt. And, and, you know, even though, um, even though Paul had said, you're not saved by your good works. Mm -hmm. He said that you will do good works. Mm -hmm. You're not saved by them. You're saved by grace Mm -hmm. through faith. That's a gift of God. Right. But in that, once you do that, the abiding part is you are now doing Mm. you're, you're, you're doing and you're being connected to the vine. Mm -hmm. How am I connected to the vine? I, I can't see Jesus. How am I connected to the vine through word? through the prayer, through relationship, that relationship, through worship and spirit and in truth. All those things keep you connected to the Lord. If you fill yourself with things that are not of the Lord, Mm -hmm. you can't be abiding in the Lord. Mm -hmm. That that's again, that's not a hard truth. That's not a that's not even a difficult concept to wrap your brain around. Right. Whatever you fill yourself with, that's what you're going to produce. Yeah. And and that's just that's life. Yeah. Whatever you're filling yourself with is going to be what comes out of your life. Absolutely. And this is all an act of love also. I We desire to abide in Christ because we love God, because mm-hmm. we know he loves us. That's a, that kind of whole aspect of it. It's not a chore. It's not something like, go do this. It's like, I want to do this because I know he loves me. Yep. And I love him. And like, and I, there are things I do to get connected to my wife. Because I love her, mm-hmm. because I want to spend time with her, because I want to know her more. We've been married for almost eight years, but I love her. I want to know more about her. And it's a, and same with our walk with Christ. We need to do this because we love him. Yep. Verse 14, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. He continues on with this thread of mm-hmm. Jesus being the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, again, he's continuing this thread over and over. <laughs> Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Good deal. So John presents the very clear presentation of the gospel. I mean, this is just super clear presentation of the gospel here. Yep. And it's not in a manner to evangelize. He's, he's talking to believers. Yes. These are people who are in Christ already, and it's almost a matter of to... Stir them up. Why is it important for us to remind each other about the truth of the gospel, Pastor? Why is it important for us that when we're gathering, we're not just you know deep thinking about everything else, but the central fact? Why is it important for us to remind us that Jesus died on the cross for us? What does that do for the body as a whole? Well, again, I think most of most of being a part of the body is not new revelation, mm. but just reminding one another. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, somebody comes to me and says, oh, this, 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 and this, and this. It's not necessarily a new revelation to me. They may mm-hmm. say it a different way than what I've heard it. Right. But it's just a reminder of that which the Lord has already said. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the one of the great gifts of the Holy Spirit is to remind us as, of everything that Jesus taught. Right. That it's not just us reading it in the Gospels, but the Holy Spirit reminds us of those things that Jesus taught, reminds us of the most important things, reminds us that, oh, okay, well, I've made this super important. Oh, well, I forgot. The most important thing is loving him with everything I've got. Mm -hmm. Well, I made this number two. Well, I forgot. Number two is loving my neighbor as myself. Mm. Like Jesus said, everything hangs on these two things. And so a lot of, uh, and I know sometimes, you know, Christians, not just Christians, humans, hate to be reminded of stuff because they think that they still know it and believe it. Mm. But there's a reason why we need to be reminded. Yeah. Because we're probably not living it. Mm. We need to be reminded. They've had some issues here. Yeah. Some people from the outside have come in. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's at the healing place every single day, 24-7. Right. Not everybody is with the body of Christ 24-7. We are in the world, not of the world. And we're surrounded by the world constantly. And if we're bringing it into our homes through whatever devices, it's there too. Mm-hmm. And so once that happens and we've created that culture, we do need to be reminded mm-hmm. of the things of the Spirit yeah. and the things of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Not that we're these horrible, terrible people, but just the fact of we've allowed other things to become more important in a season of our life or in a, even in a moment of our life. Mm-hmm. And we need to be reminded yeah. over and over and over and over and over again. Faithfulness is not something you just do one time. Mm-hmm. Faithfulness is something you do every single day. Mm-hmm. Obedience isn't just for a moment of ecstasia where you're just super excited about something and you feel it. Right. No, obedience is about being obedient to what God says when it doesn't feel good, Yeah. when it doesn't feel awesome, when you're not in a good mood, when the day's not right, but you're still obedient. Yeah. And that's where the foundation gets shored up because mm-hmm. it's refined by the fire, man. It's just refined in the you're killing your flesh mm-hmm. and you're living to the spirit. Yeah. And when you do that, it's just forging your foundation in Christ. Your your foundation in Christ is not forged in a worship service where there's 800 people and your favorite worship team is going mm-hmm. and the lights are just right and the music's just right. That's not forging your foundation. Mm-hmm. Forging your foundation is when the storm is going crazy and you're going crazy. Mm-hmm. But then you're reminded that the Lord speaks to the storm. Mm-hmm. And says, peace be still. And you believe him for that. Mm -hmm. And you let him do that. And you continue to be obedient to what he says. Yeah. It's difficult for for people to do the right thing sometimes in difficult situations because they don't remember where they came from. They don't remember what's going on. Um, John has a habit of doing this. He sometimes operates in like the spirit of Mufasa. He's like, remember who you are. (laughs) He does this like in in Revelation. He talks like, remember your first love. He brings about, remember these things. Why? Because there's things happening in this early church. And he's like, if you will grab hold of this truth of where you came from, of who you are in Christ, of the things that God's spoken to you, of the things that's happened, you're going to make it through this season. The heretics will come, you'll be okay. The 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 pagans will come, you're going to be okay. The antichrist will come, you're going to be okay if you stand on the foundation of who you are 
And that encouragement spurs you to, to do more stuff. This past summer, we're, we're making a transition here at church where um, um, as far as we do our young adult ministry and our kids ministry, youth ministry, and God's stirring some stuff inside of me, reminding me of some things that he spoke to me about youth ministry. And I'm stepping back into the, kind of that realm. And it stirred up in me some stuff over the summer going, man, this is some of the dreams that God's given me over time, some passions he's given me. And it's spurred me to do other things, to think things differently. And that's something that we have to do regularly is remind ourselves what God has said to us in the past, not just through our, you know, somebody came to us and gave us a word, but what he said to us through the scriptures itself. Well, John's such a great example because who did he learn that from? Mm. Jesus himself. He learned it from Jesus. If you read the Gospels, Jesus is reminding them of a lot of things mm-hmm. that he's already taught them. Time after time. Over and over and over again. And John, being the beloved, he listened. Mm-hmm. And he learned that. And he's modeling that. Yeah. In the way that he ministers to people. He's continually reminding them. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the people wanted to hear something different. Oh, yeah. Who was it that Moody? Was it Moody that his church had complained? Like, why do you keep preaching the same thing over and over again? He's like, I'll move on when you get this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that was Moody. It phrased somewhat, yeah, like that. It was like, when you start doing this, I'll stop talking about it. Right. Yeah. yeah he may have been the guy that also would, when detractors would come, would say, I like the way that I'm uh, doing it. More than you're not doing it. More than you're not doing it. Yeah, yeah. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Mm. You there, mean? You want me to go 18? Yes, 18 also. All right, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Mm. So here we have this aspect that love develops boldness in the believer. It pushes out fear. What is it, though? What is the purpose of this boldness that casts out fear? Why Why are we being strengthened by love? Well, when he talks about, you know, because as he is, so are we in this world. Mm-hmm. Again, he's, he's, he's rooting everything in love, but he's also talking about the fact that we're surrounded by all of these things, and in the world there is fear, like mm-hmm. true fear, not not a fear of the Lord, but truly being afraid, having anxiety continually, being afraid, mm-hmm. dread. That word dread comes up. Right. And he talks about in the love of God, there is no dread because in the love of God, all those things that are not of the Lord are cast out. Mm-hmm. Like draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Resist the devil and he will flee. The drawing near to God is your first step to the enemy fleeing. Right. Because you're drawing near to God. The the first step towards getting rid of dread is getting the word of God inside of you. Mm-hmm. Is receiving the love of God. Is is understanding the love of God. Is praying to to the God of this type of love. And it empties you of uh of the world. Because right. he says fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Again, this boldness going all the way back to Jesus is the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Be bold in that. Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah. Jesus lived the sinless life. You know, boldness in your faith. He's not saying go out and just, you know, start overwhelming people. He's just saying be bold about what you believe. Right in whom you have believed. Right. And in that, 
you will experience the love of God. And in that, it will empty you of these yeah. anxieties and fears. And I heard this great exact analogy once years ago of a, you have a child and when they're out and they're by themselves, there is a level of fear because there's the world in front of them. But when their father is with them, someone that they know loves them, that cares about them, there's a boldness that comes up in a child because they go, well, my dad's here. He's going to take care of me. He's going to walk me through this. He won't abandon me. And I think that a lot of people, we have this mentality that the Christian walk is, well, I got to do this all by myself. But we forget we're with God all, at all times. He's with us every moment of the, of the day. He will not abandon us. And that's where that boldness comes in. It's that assurity that I have something behind me. It will always be there. will never abandon me, even in the darkest of times. Yeah, and I think that goes back to something we talked about a couple of weeks ago, which was developing and having an awareness of God at mm. all times. Mm -hmm. Being aware that God is with you. Right. Because in that, there is protection, and in that, there is safety. Mm -hmm. And in that, there is a knowing that he that is in you, right, mm -hmm. is greater than he quoting John again is greater than he who is in the world. Mm. Like John's saying, listen, if you're rooted in this love, then there will be a boldness that you will have because you will know that God is with you. Mm -hmm. And even to the point where he says in verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. It's mm -hmm. not about us. It's not about us. You know, we're great. and We love him and all this He's like, no, because he first loved us. The love that we have for him only comes from the love he's already given for us. Right. That he's already offered for us. Mm -hmm. That kind of love. And he says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, uh-oh, <laughs> he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Which he's already talked about who has seen God. Mm -hmm. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So he's wrapping up this portion with by reinforcing the fact that we cannot truly love God if we don't love each other. Uh, this past uh, couple weeks or ago. Or vice versa. Vice versa. On campus, um, you brought out an interesting conversation about, um, we were talking about loving the Lord God with all your strength. And there was an interesting word you had, mayoed, mm -hmm. about muchness. How does this conversation of everything apply to this verse here? Yeah, well, again, I think it's, and you stated this, uh, I don't know if it was last time or this time, but you stated that it's impossible for us to love people fully mm -hmm. if we have not loved the Lord fully. Mm -hmm. Because when you love the Lord fully, then you're, you're, you're fully aware of his love and what his love is. Mm -hmm. And thereby now you can give that same love without the ties of the world mm -hmm. to it, you can give that same kind of love fully to someone. You can't love yourself until you truly know who you are in Christ. Yeah, And then you can love yourself, and then you can love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. And so as John continues with this, it is that mayot. It's not physical strength and power right. that you love the Lord with. It's, your, it's muchness. It is with all. Mm. And some people would go, well, that is just like, like that's impossible. 
Well, just imagine everything that we have, whether it be time, resources, giftings, whatever it is, the Lord gave those things. We didn't, quote, unquote, earn them. He gave them. Mm -hmm. And so, in essence, we're simply giving him back what he's already given to us. Exactly. It wasn't ours in the first place. Mm -hmm. It was a gift from him, and now we simply offer it back to him. And when we do that, then we're not striving or trying to do it in our own strength. Mm -hmm. We're not just trying to do it in our soulish intentions. We're not just doing it with logic. We're not just doing it with emotions, Mm -hmm. but we're doing it with all our muchness. And then in that, as we love the Lord with all, then whatever we give him, it's intensified because that's what that word does. It's an adverb that intensifies whatever it's joined with. Right. So if I give the Lord my time, then my time's intensified. Mm. Muchness. We never get more time than we have. Mm-hmm. But when we give our time to the Lord fully, it seems that way. Because now our priorities change, and when our priorities change, this changes. I gave the illustration last week, or two weeks ago, about how I had written down, you know, you have 168 hours every week, 24-7. For seven days, you have 168 hours. And I had written down what my mind said that I did with my 168 hours. Mm -hmm. But eating and sleeping wasn't there. Mm. But I did eat and I did sleep, but it wasn't, it didn't seem like I did because it wasn't in my mind. Right. It wasn't in my frontal lobe. And so when you when you give yourself to the Lord fully, then now time, again, you don't get 170, you have 168, but now your priorities are different because you're giving everything you have to the Lord. And now it's not that you have more time, now it's just that, you're not striving to make everything happen in a certain time frame. You're just doing everything as unto the Lord. Right. For him, through him, in him, like all of it in him, for him, through all of it. And now the yoke is easy and the burden is light because you're not trying to make everything happen, but you've truly given everything to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, that's when the stressors, it doesn't mean the stressful times don't come, but that doesn't tend to attach you and choke you out Mm -hmm. in those times. And that is all rooted in love. John says it. He talks about antichrist deceivers. He talks about some of them are being filled with fear. He talks about some of them have needs and they have needs because they've, they've messed up themselves. But yet every single time he brings it all back to love. And then, of course, in this chapter, he brings it all back to belief in Jesus as the Son of God. Absolutely. Well, guys, we got two more weeks of 1 John coming up for you guys. So as we travel into 1 John chapter 5, but we're going to hear from you. How has chapter 4 encouraged you over the last couple of weeks? How has it challenged you? How can we help you take your next step with God? Reach out to us, mediahub at teachmistreport.com or check out our Facebook page. Just look for Midweek Move. Again, we genuinely care about you. We do this because we want to help you walk with God and know Him better. So let us know. Until next time, have a great week.